It is great to see you guys today. Thank you so much for being here. If you are new with us, my name is Evan. I'm on staff here at Epic, and we are excited that you are here today. So if this is your first time or one of your first times, we'd love the opportunity to meet you. So on your way out this morning, the last table on the right-hand side is our Connection Center. Stop by, shake a hand, let us know who you are. And if you have any questions, we would love to answer that for you. Love to tell you what we're doing here in the community, tell you about our kids' programs in the back, which are absolutely amazing. So stop by, say hi, and um, make sure you um, let somebody give you the insider information on what's going on here at Epic. So this week, we're doing something a little bit different. It's been the same the last couple of weeks. So if you're with us for the first time, this isn't our normal way of doing things, but we have been in a video series called Alter Ego. And it was made by Craig Groeschel out of Life Church, And it's a phenomenal series about the fact that what we see in ourselves is not what God sees in us. And what we need to do to get out of our own way so that God can do things through us. And I'm going to let Craig talk about the series for the rest of the time um, because he does a much better job of it than I do. But if this is your first time going through a video series, it can be a little weird to sit and stare at a screen um, for the entire thing and feel like you're actually getting something out of it. So I want to encourage you guys, pretend like he's right here on stage. And when he says something funny, which I guarantee you he will do, go ahead and laugh, lay back, enjoy it. If he asks you to respond, please go ahead and respond. Otherwise, I'm going to be the only person with my hand in the air for like half the service. So don't make me feel awkward. Help me out in that. Um, but just act like he is here, participate along with him, and I guarantee you're going to get something great out of today's message. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for the service, for our team in Guatemala, and then I'll let Craig take things from here. God, I just want to take a second and thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be here this morning. Uh, it, it is just a blessing every single week. This is a highlight of my week to come in and to worship with everybody who walks through these doors to lift you up and Father God, to just spend some time in your presence together as a community, as a church family. So thank you so much for this opportunity. God, I, I pray for the team that's in Guatemala this morning and throughout this entire week. Lord, I pray that you would be with them, that you would um, keep them healthy, keep them safe. I pray that logistics would go well and people would get where they need to on time and in the right way. But most of all, Father God, I pray for courage for them, that they would step outside, way outside their comfort zone. Father God, that you would give them the courage to do things they never imagined that they would do, to say things they never imagined they would say, so that someone down there will know your love either for the first time or in a brand new way. But God, I just pray for amazing things to happen in Guatemala because of the people that you have sent down here this week. So be with them, Father God, throughout the week. And we are excited to hear what you've done in a couple of weeks through both of these trips. God, just be with us through the rest of this service. Let us hear your voice. Let us hear your heart. And God, let us become more like you because of what we hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everybody at all of our different life churches and our network churches and those of you at Church Online, we are in the third week of a message series called Alter Ego based on my newest book, Alter Ego, Becoming Who God Says You Are. You might notice that alter is spelled A-L-T-A-R. And this, uh, for the purpose of our series, represents our altar which throughout history has been a place where the people of God will come and make a sacrifice 
to God, or they'll lay down something that's very important to them, alter. Ego, of course, is what we think about ourselves. It's our belief system about ourselves. Unfortunately, many of us have a very inaccurate view of who we're supposed to be. And so what we're doing in this message series and the driving thought of the book is we're going to lay down at the altar or sacrifice who we think we are so we can become who God says we are. Uh, I want to review where we've been in the past couple of weeks and tell you where we're going next week so you can kind of prayerfully prepare your heart. If you're taking notes, what we're doing is we're laying down different parts of our ego. In the first week, we laid down our feelings of inadequacy so we could become who God says we are. Last week, by faith, we laid down our need for control. Some of you are still trying to lay down that need for control because we love to be in control. Today, we're going to talk about laying down our right to be offended because so many of us are so easily offended. And then next week is perhaps what will be the most helpful week for the most people. We're going to lay down our longing for approval because so many of us are consumed with living for what other people think, and then we forget about living for what God thinks. Today, we're gonna to talk about laying down our right to be offended, and I have to tell you quite honestly that for years, um, I was very easily offended, often by some of the smallest and most insignificant things I could get very easily offended. Maybe some of you can relate. Uh, for example, one of the places I would often get offended is while I'm driving, and I would be offended perhaps at your driving as you might be offended by mine. And one of the places I could get most riled up is when, uh, where I live, there's a lot of traffic on um, some of the, the side streets, and there will often be people stuck trying to get into the flow of traffic from a parking lot and they just can't do it. And I've often been that guy who sits there and waits for what seems like hours as all of you drive right on by and won't let me in. So because I'm such an incredible, godly, generous, and benevolent follower of Christ, I will often pause and let people into the flow of traffic. And if I ever let you in, I very simply expect two things and two things only. One, I expect you to move quickly, okay? Get your butt in there. Because there's nothing worse than me letting you in and then you getting through the green light and I get stuck at the red light. That's just not right. The second thing I just expect is a very simple and humble acknowledgement of the favor that I did to you. Just tilt your head down slightly, raise your hand up and just say, thanks a bunch, you're awesome, you're the man, you rock, you rule. I could still be there until Tuesday, but you let me in and just give me a very simple thank you wave. What drives me crazy though is how often I'll stop, let someone in, and they just drive right on in and no nod, no wave, whatsoever. <laughs> Makes me crazy. I'm like, couldn't you just at least say thank you? Look in the rearview mirror, hi, thank you, you saved the day. But no, and so I get so upset, like I'll take your license plate down, I'll look for you, I won't let you in ever again because I'm so easily offended. Any of you ever relate to that? Any of you can kind of relate? Yeah, few of you can, rest of you holy people, just sit there and polish your halo. I'm talking to the real people here today. 
<laughs> the deal with stuff like this. So I don't know what it would be for you, but maybe someone's kind of short with you in their tone of voice. You're like, well, who do they think they are? Or maybe they're really slow to respond to you. You text them, and then hours go by. Like, who do they think they are? Where do they have going? They're so important they can't even respond to me. Just a quick text, and you get really offended. Or they do something that's not really great, and they don't say, hey, I'm sorry, I did this. Or you do something for them, and there's no real acknowledgement. No handwritten thank you note, no thank you text, no DM, hey, you're awesome, thank you. Like, well, I did all that for them. They didn't do anything for me. Maybe it's they cut you off in traffic. What's even worse is when they cut you off and they've got a Live Church bumper sticker on the back of their car, which is precisely why I don't have one on my car. <laughs> Pastor Craig just cut me off. You know, it, it could be any number of things. It could be like, hey, I don't like the way he's acting, or can you believe the way she dresses? I mean, she's really proud of those things, isn't she? She's just walking around there flitting her stuff, and we're so easily offended, right? Come on, real people, I'm talking about real stuff. Don't sit there and be offended. So uh, in the church world, it's amazingly how, amazing how easily Christians are offended. I mean, like, you know, oh, they did that, and they used that version of the Bible. And then sometimes it's even like, can you believe they go to that church? Okay, the funny thing is, all of you, if this is your church for some of your friends, that's you, can you believe they go to that church? And, and they're so very easily offended. Why is it that we're so easily offended? The reason is, because we're living out of our egos, our very insecure egos that wanna be right and wanna win. But for us to be right, someone else has to be what? They have to be wrong. For us to win, someone else has to what? They have to lose. And so our egos not only are easily offended, but some of them actually look to be offended. We're gonna find things wrong everywhere we go. In fact, some of us form very close friendships with groups of people, and our common basis is that we're offended by the same things. And so we get together and we talk about, we don't like them, or we don't like that, or we don't like everybody else. Why? Because our egos know what's right. We're offended because it's all about us. What does scripture say about this very common and very sad condition that we see so often in society today? Proverbs 19.11 is a verse that you might want to commit to memory. Very great verse. Scripture says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to do what? I need everybody working with me. Those of you at South OKC, those of you in Fort Worth, Texas, everybody say it aloud. It's to his glory to do what? To overlook an offense, say it again. It's to his glory to overlook an offense. We live in a world that's quick to judge, quick to call a foul, quick to be offended, but very slow to overlook an offense. Now, to overlook something doesn't mean to pretend like it never happened. To overlook it is a form of forgiveness. In fact, the two Hebrew words that are translated into the one English word, overlook, these two words, they very literally mean to overlook or to pass over 
an offense. It's to our glory to pass over an offense, to catch some spiritual altitude and say, you know, I could stay down there lower and be offended and get upset and cause a problem and let this weigh me down. But instead, I'm catching some altitude. I'm rising above. It's to my glory to rise over, to pass over this offense. I was offended by some people one time when I had to catch an airplane. And it was amazing as our airplane gained altitude, I was looking down going, they're getting smaller, smaller, smaller. Why am I letting them hold me down? I'm gonna just pass on over this offense. I've got more important things to do than be weighed down by something that doesn't really matter that much. It's to his glory to pass over an offense. Now, why do we rarely do that in our society today? It's because we're living out of our egos instead of living out of the grace that God extends to us through Christ. Let me show you a very important verse from Romans 12:3. It starts out this way. Everybody say this aloud. For by the what? Everybody, all of our churches. For by the grace given to me, Paul says. Let me ask you a question. Was Paul extended in any grace by God? Was Paul extended any grace? The answer is yes, a lot. Do you remember what Paul did before he was a Christian? He killed Christians. He persecuted them, and God extended to him a tremendous amount of grace. Did other Christians extend Paul any grace? The answer is yes. Has God extended you any grace in your life? What is it? If, he's, if it's yes, everybody say yes. Do you hope other people will extend grace to you? What do you think? Yes. And so Paul says, for by the grace Given me, God has given me so much grace and people have given me so, great, so, so much grace. I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't let it be about your ego, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. For by the grace God has given me, I will not think more highly of myself than I ought, and when I don't, check this out, I will not be so easily offended. Let me show you three points of application if you're taking notes. The first one is this. Because of Christ's grace to me, I'll give others the benefit of the doubt. Because I've been forgiven of so much, I'm going to think the best about others. Ephesians 4.2 says it this way, always be humble, it's not about you, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Because of God's grace for me through Christ, I will give others the benefit of the doubt. Isn't it interesting how often we don't give others the benefit of the doubt? What do we do? We often judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Well, look what they did. Well, I intended to. You should give me the benefit of the doubt, but I don't wanna give you the benefit of the doubt. Just like the time when I was making fun of people who break the law and during traffic, they drive on the shoulder and pass all the rest of us faithful, law-abiding, God-fearing citizens. 
they drive right up on the right side of the shoulder. Like, who do they think they are? And they're so important that they have the right to drive up there on the shoulder when we're in the lane. Well, the very next week, I was running late between churches because before we had video teaching, I used to drive from church to church when we only had two locations. And we were running late and there was traffic, people trying to get into where I was and I needed to be in there. And so I just looked over the side and there was some grass on the shoulder of the church. And I thought to myself, it's kind of our grass. <laughs> if I wanna drive on my grass, I can drive on my grass. So I just pulled on over on the shoulder on the grass and drove right on past the cars going to church. And there was a kid in a car with a friend of mine who told me later, my 12 year old son said, Dad, look over there. There's one of those guys that Pastor Craig hates driving on the shoulder of the road. And he said, Dad, I think that is Pastor Craig driving on the side of the road. And he was devastated. But for me, hey, I should be given some grace because I've got a reason for this. And I don't give others the benefit of the doubt when I expect it for me. Because of the grace given to me, I'll very simply give others the benefit of the doubt. When they're short with you, maybe they're having a really bad day. Maybe their teenagers make, making incredibly destructive decisions and they're really preoccupied. Maybe they just heard something from the doctor that's not good news and they're just not in a place right now to be on their best game. Maybe they're running behind and they're, they're cutting you off in traffic is not about you, it's just they're running behind and made a bad decision. Maybe their bad mood is not about you, okay? Their PMS is not about you unless you ask them about it and then it becomes all about you. <laughs> Don't ever ask them about it. The 11th commandment is thou shalt not ever say, is it that time of the month, okay? <laughs> and for all you ladies that it's that time of the month and you're offended, it's to your glory to overlook <laughs> your pastor's offense today. Just keep on flying by, right? Be because of the grace extended to me, I will, I will give people the benefit of the doubt. So as a follower of Christ, here's what I want. I wanna have thick skin and a soft heart. So often what we have is thin skin and a hard heart. I wanna have, I, wanna, I don't wanna be easily offended. I wanna have a soft heart and give people the benefit of the doubt. For example, in seminary, in a course I took on counseling, one of the things I remember most is that hurt people hurt people, right? When people are hurting, they're just, they're defensive, they're, they're wounded, and, and if you think of them as wounded, it helps you to have compassion on them rather than being angry and offended by them. For example, a wounded animal who's cornered, what does that animal do? The animal just defends itself because it's wounded, and that's what wounded people do. And when I see someone as wounded, it helps me to have compassion for them. I wonder what they're going through that they would act this way. I wonder how I can pray for them. And rather than being offended by them, I have compassion for them. Because of the grace given to me through Christ, I will give others the benefit of the doubt. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Because of the grace given to me in Christ, I will not label others. I will not label other people. Can you imagine if God labeled us? Think about that. If God took isolated events from different seasons in our lives and labeled us because of the way we behaved. 
Before I was a Christian, I used to steal and lie and cheat. And so God says, well, here is the pastor of Life Church, Craig, the liar, the thief. He doesn't do that. He forgives and gives us other chances. And yet we so often take one or two moments in a person's life and label them based on that place and time. Well, he's nothing but a jerk. Well, she's a, you know what, I'm not gonna say it in church. Well, you know, well, he's a control freak. Well, she's a this and he's a that. And we label people permanently over a temporary moment in time. This is what Jesus said in Luke 6, 36 and 37. He said, be merciful. Has God been merciful to you? Oh, he has to me. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Because of the grace Christ has given me, I will not label others. I'll tell you an example from my life. Back when I was in college, I played tennis for a little private Christian university uh, that was called Oklahoma City University, OCU. And we played against another private Christian university, um, Oral Roberts University, known as ORU. And my senior year, my doubles partner was so good that he really carried us and we were one of the top teams in the nation. He turned pro after that year, he was so good. And we played against um, one of the top teams in the nation for um, ORU and it was a real rivalry match. Well, in the match, uh, the guys that we were playing with made a questionable call. They called a ball out that I thought was in. And so the next point, when they floated a high ball to my forehand and they were both up at the net, I came in, swung as hard as I could and cracked the ball right in the direction of one of my opponent's head, okay? Didn't go for his face, it was just a warning shot that went by his ear close enough to where he could hear the hum of the ball, okay? He was offended, I gave him a fake sorry, which he knew I was faking. And he gave me a bad look, and like, eh, eh, and so, so we're kind of on. Well, the very next point, we were all four up at the net, which is where you try to get to have an advantage, and we're all four up there, and I tried to pop a lob over their head, but I hit it way too shallow, which meant that we were vulnerable. Well, in doubles, it's kind of etiquette to where if you know we've lost the point, you just turn around, kind of put your racket up, and what you're saying is, it's your point, just hit it in uh, easily, and we'll go on. Well. I did that, we both turned around and said, okay, everything's cool. Well, this guy came in with my back turned and he hit the ball, pop, 130 miles an hour. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> oh, my back, okay. Some people think I have a tramp stamp. <laughs> I don't have a tramp stamp, what I've got is a pen, P-E-N-N-2, what was on the ball, labeled backwards right up, right, you know where, okay? He lit me up, okay? From then on, it was a war. We didn't care who won, it's all about taking someone's head out. And so after the match, like I hate this guy, hate him, hate him, hate him. I'd meet someone five years later that, hey, I went to ORU. Hey, did you ever hear Eric? So I said, I hate his guts, hate him, he's a jerk. Yeah. And he'd do the same thing for me. Well, years went by. 15, 16 years. 
I walked into this tennis center and there was this guy behind the counter and we started talking like, this guy's cool. He was funny and we, we just hit it off immediately. You, you know how sometimes you meet with people and you just click? We just clicked and so we're talking. He's like, hey, do you play? I'm like, yeah, I played in school and in college. He goes, yeah, hey, I did too. You wanna hit sometime? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm always looking for a guy who's good enough around here to, to play with. He's like, hey, come by, we'll set up a time. And I'm walking out the door and I thought, hey, hang on a second. I said, did you play for ORU? And he goes, you played for OCU. I said, I hate your guts. And he said, I hate yours. And we started laughing, just cracking up. For years, we hated each other over a very isolated incident where we were both jerks. And now, under a different context, we liked each other. Now, he's a valuable part of our church, and every Saturday when I'm driving up to church to preach, almost every Saturday, Eric will call me because he knows what I'm driving. He's like, hey, Gross, just want you to know, man, praying for you. God's gonna use you in a big way this week. And what's funny is I labeled a guy who actually became a really close friend. The reality is we all do this all the time. In fact, some of you, your labeling is even more dangerous than that. You've labeled your spouse. Well, she's this, well, she's that. And you're discounting what God could do in your spouse's life. Or you've labeled a child, or you've labeled someone else, and God said, hey, 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 hey. I'm not, I'm not labeling you, I've shown you grace. Why would you label others? Easily offended looking for reasons to be offended. Because of the grace that Christ has extended me, I'm gonna give others the benefit of the doubt. Because of the grace that Christ has extended me, I'm not going to label others. And the third one, and this is a big one, because of the grace Christ has given me, I will forgive as I've been forgiven. I will forgive others as Christ has forgiven me. In fact, this is what scripture says, Colossians 3.13. Make allowance for each other's faults. Now don't miss this, here's what scripture says. And do what, everybody? And forgive anyone who offends you. Pause there for a moment. That's a pretty firm statement, isn't it? Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, what did the Lord do? The Lord forgave you, and so you must do what? So you must forgive others. So you may say, okay, I get it, Groeschel. So someone cuts me off in traffic, I'll forgive them. I can do that. Uh, someone forgets to say thank you, I'll overlook that. I'll catch some altitude, I'll get above that. Someone nails me in the back in a doubles match, I'll get over that, okay? But when they do something really, really big, you know, we're talking like a massive offense. You know, they, they abuse me or they abuse someone I love, or they lie about me and it costs me something, or, or she cheats on me, or he's looking at pornography. The big things, I don't have to forgive that, right? I mean, you're not, you're not telling me that, that I'll overlook the small things, but the big things, Oh, I'm justified in being angry, right? I mean, I am justified in carrying bitterness. I mean, it's God understands when I want revenge for the big things, right? I don't have to forgive those. No way you're telling me that. 
Jesus said this, and this is incredibly sobering. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, what did Jesus say? Your Father will not forgive your sins. It's incredibly sobering, isn't it? If you don't forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. I'll be really honest and tell you that um, that verse has haunted me maybe more than just about any verse um, in Scripture. Um, When I found out that my little sister's sixth-grade teacher molested her, I... um, nothing in me that wanted to forgive. Nothing. How do you forgive that? How do you forgive abuse? And not just when someone abuses you, because sometimes you can get over that easier than you can when someone abuses someone you love. How do you forgive a betrayal? How do you forgive someone in an authority position that abuses their authority and hurts innocent people? How, how? How do you forgive something that seems totally unforgivable? Let me show you how. Ephesians 4.32 tells us to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, what did God do? God forgave you. How do we forgive? We are to forgive just as we have been forgiven. That's how we're to forgive. We're to forgive just as we have been forgiven. And that's what, by the grace of God, um, he enabled our family to do to the man that um, stole my sister's innocence. And it was a process, a long process, years process. But what's really cool is that The closer that I get to God, the more forgiveness is not a process. The more it's not a process. Give an example. Um, Amy and I had some friends that we somehow hurt. We're not sure how, but they turned on us. And they started telling lies about us, which we're somewhat used to just in this kind of role. That kind of stuff happens. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it happens. But the lies that they told were very significant lies. They were what I would call ministry-ending lies. In other words, if these things were true, I would be disqualified from being a pastor. So that's significant. In the past, I would have been like furious. I would have been defending myself. I would have been confronting them. I would have been you know, trying to get all my ducks in a row. But this time, for some reason, we had compassion for our friends and we thought, wonder what in the world is going on in their lives for them to act this way. And it was a supernatural compassion. And we just started praying for them. And we didn't defend ourselves. We just said, you know, that we know the truth and God is our defender and so we don't have to defend ourselves. And we prayed for them. And what happened is, instead of forgiveness being a process over time, we were actually able to forgive them in real time. As the offense was occurring, it was for God's glory that we were able to 
catch some spiritual altitude, and in real time, pass over the offense. It's for God's glory that you pass over an offense, and we forgive as we've been forgiven. And what's so great about this is when you think about how does God forgive, if you take an altar and you go back to the Old Testament times, how would people be forgiven? They would take an innocent animal and they would sacrifice the animal at the altar, right? And with the shedding of blood, they would be forgiven. And and there's a story uh, about the Passover when they would actually take the blood of a lamb and dip a sponge in it and put it on the top of the doorpost and then on the sides of the doorpost. Well, what would happen to the blood at the top of the doorpost? It would actually drop down to the bottom. And there you see hidden in the Old Testament a foreshadowing of the cross of Jesus where the lamb's blood would be shed and the death angel would then what? Pass over the house that was covered by the blood of the lamb. What do you see now in the New Testament because of Jesus? Because of the Lamb of God, Jesus, and his shed blood that covers our sin, God now passes over and forgives our sins in real time, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ did. And the reality is we need to understand when we understand how we've been forgiven, we acknowledge hurt people hurt people. They do, don't they? Hurt people hurt people, but don't miss this. But forgiven people forgive people because it's not about us. It's all about him. I don't have a right to be offended. I'm not justified in my anger. It's not all about me winning. Because of what Christ did for me, I'm honored to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I'm honored not to label others as I don't want to be labeled. And because of what Christ did for me, I will forgive others as I've been forgiven. Doesn't mean it's easy, but it's right. And the more you experience the grace of Christ, the more you can forgive in real time. Is to his glory to pass over an offense. I think this is one of the hardest parts of being a Christ follower. Um, it's easy to let somebody pass you by on the side of the road and kind of let that go. It's a whole lot more difficult when it gets into the stuff like he's talking about where someone you love has been hurt. Someone you personally know has been taken advantage of or abused or someone in your life has done that to you. And it is really hard to put this into practice, but this is one of those things that God does inside of us that we can't do on our own, right? Somebody comes and hurts somebody in my family, it's not inside of me to let it go. But when God gets control of us and we lay ourselves down and our ego down, then he can do that through us. And I just think about the difference it makes in our world when people see Christ followers react that way as opposed to the way the rest of the world reacts in something like that. Instead of crying out 
out of our sense of pride and justice for something we really probably deserve. Instead, we extend grace and forgiveness in a situation no one else would do that. That speaks volumes about our great God. And so, like Craig said, it's a privilege for us to be able to do this, no matter how difficult it is. So I'm going to pray for us here this morning, but I want you to take this home, and I want you just to sit on this, because I know we can all take just a second and think about somebody in our lives where this has happened. Maybe recently, maybe decades ago, something that we have not been able to let go of. And this week, I want to encourage you, let God help you have thicker skin and a softer heart. And if you need to, go and extend grace to somebody this week. Let's pray. God, this is tough stuff. You know, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to living this out, this is one of the most difficult things that we have to do. But then I think about the fact that you do it for us every single day. You sent your son to die for us. You forgave us everything. But then every single day, you extend grace to us that even though you've already made the sacrifice, we mess up again and again and again. We offend you over and over and over again. And God, you continue to extend your amazing grace to us. And this week, Father God, I pray that we could begin to put that into practice in our lives that when somebody cuts in front of us in the grocery line, when somebody cuts us off in traffic, when somebody that we have been mad at for years comes to talk to us, that God, that we can take a cue from you and we can extend grace because you have extended us grace. And again, just like every other message in this series, Father God, we remember that this is not about us, it's about you. And I pray that that would just become alive in our hearts. So God, just do great things in us, Father God. And in all of this, no matter how hard it may be, I pray that we continue to draw closer to you, be more like the people you have for us to be so that someone can look at our lives and not see us, not see the great things we're doing or the way that we're being different, but they can see you in our lives. And because of that, they can be brought to you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a fantastic week. Thanks for being here. We'll see you all next Sunday. Remember, pray for our Guatemala team. Take care.